Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that U.S.-China ties are on what she called a surer footing after the direct uh, talks that she had with Chinese leaders in Beijing. Although on the military side, there's been no resumption of bilateral communications. We'll set that side for a moment. On the economic side, the high-profile visit by Yellen suggests that there is some hope for guardrails. Yellen said she sought to convince China's newly installed economic team that the U.S. is not bent on seeking economic advantage against the country. It comes as the Biden administration has ramped up controls on key exports and is considering curbs on American companies outbound investments in China. It could further restrict Beijing's access to advanced technology. She discussed this on CBS's Face the Nation. If we go forward with these, um, they will be indeed very narrowly targeted and not should not be something that will have a significant impact on the investment climate between our two countries. Yellen said that no final decision had been reached on the investment curbs. Separately, Yellen was asked about the state of the U.S. economy. She said she would not rule out the threat of recession. Yellen also said that it's appropriate and normal for growth to moderate and that inflation remains too high. Well, that takes us to the Fed speak and comments from Chicago President Austin Goolsby. He said that policymakers can ease price growth without triggering a recession. Goolsby's remarks come as after we had that jobs date on Friday showing a slowdown in what does remain a very strong American labor market. Here is Goolsby speaking with CNBC. I think this was a very strange business cycle. And what the Fed's overriding goal right now is to get inflation down. We are going to succeed at it. And to do that without a recession would be a triumph. And that's the golden path. And I feel like we're on that golden path. Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsby, by the way, he does vote on policy this year. He did stop, though, uh, short of endorsing a rate hike at this month's meeting. Goolsby said officials still have a couple of more weeks of data to assess before their next meeting. Brian? And some might say it could be time to duck and cover again because U.S. inflation-related data will be coming out this week. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. The Consumer Price Index for June comes out Wednesday in Washington. Economists expect it will show inflation continue to soften, but not fast enough for the Fed. The CPI is forecast to have climbed 3.1% from a year ago. That would be the smallest advance since March of 2021, thanks mostly to lower pump prices. But once volatile energy and food costs are stripped out, 
core CPI is seen rising 5% from a year ago. That's more than double the Fed's goal based on a different inflation metric. So probably no happy ending yet for inflation fighters. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, Alibaba is said to be considering selling shares in Ant. This would be a part of uh, the fintech company's planned stock buyback program. We have more from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann in Hong Kong. Ant Group itself proposed buying back up to 7.6% of shares. The news comes after China imposed $1 billion in fines on tech giants, including Ant. It could signal an end to China's clapdown on the tech sector. The three-year crackdown costs Ant and Alibaba more than $850 billion. The length of time of the saga may make it difficult for the group to rebuild trust with investors. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And another story here that might have a big impact on uh, on the markets today is this one. A Chinese industry body of automakers has retracted a pledge not to resort to abnormal pricing practices. Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao has more from Hong Kong. The China Association of Automobile Manufacturers is deleting one of four commitments signed last Thursday. The pledge was seen as an effort to end a price war in the country's EV market. 16 companies, including BYD and Xpeng, had initially signed the four-point pledge. Tesla also signed, and it was the only foreign brand involved. But the body later said the reference to pricing in the pledge was inappropriate. And that's in breach of a principle in the nation's antitrust law. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie L. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Chris. Let's go back to the Alibaba Ant uh, saga story. It's not all that often, Doug, that a buyback story on a company that's not even public makes this big a splash. Uh, it's, it's a great story by Lulu Chen because it's, it's complicated. Uh, if you add that to the ending of the fines on Ant and Tencent overall, you finally get a sense that there can be a beginning, middle, and end to a regulatory nightmare type of story in China. Closure, even at a billion dollars, can be a good thing. Particularly when you look at the entrepreneurial spirit, the sentiment that we've been talking about here has been quite uh, disappointing. And I think maybe this paves the way for a return of positivity. There have been a lot of uh, different threads to this story. Ant has had to overhaul its business model. It's going to pull back from some very sensitive sectors of the Chinese economy, including competition with a couple of the big state banks. And the ripple effect here, I think, is really, in addition to the entrepreneurial spirit, investor confidence has been eroded. Before the IPO was canceled, I remember reading that the valuation on Ant alone was envisioned at around $315 billion. And I think yeah. now we're in the vicinity, what, $78 billion? That's pretty yeah, dramatic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so this, this buyback, uh, Ant would be buying back shares not only from Alibaba, so Alibaba would be selling shares to Ant, uh, but it would also be buying back shares from other investors in Ant. And when you're not even a public company and a buyback generates this much uh, heat, you know it's, it's pretty exciting. But as we talked about, the big question is, will it really bring investors back? This has been very costly. That figure, $850 billion, I mean, think about that, $850 times the fine is the lost value in mm. these companies. And it's not something that investors, you know, will take lightly. A hat tip to the guys over at our China Today column on the Bloomberg Terminal. They cite data from Goldman Sachs Prime Services. Hedge funds sold Chinese equities in June for a fifth consecutive month. And that if you look at the flip side, capital is being deployed to Japan instead. 
Yep, it's been very popular. That's been a popular trade for sure, long long Japanese stocks. Uh, Just a quick word on the U.S., this kind of drift toward recession type of theme may rattle markets here, even though you had kind of a a Goldilocks type of jobs report. Yeah, but I think if we can agree that the Fed is talking about rates being higher for longer, even though uh, Goolsby pushed back against the notion of recession, Yellen uh, is clearly thinking that's a distinct possibility, which brings the earnings into focus now. This uh, We're going to get the second quarter numbers uh, underway this week. Guidance is going to be a critical factor here. So if we're looking for some slowing now from the corporate side, and then there's a lot to be concerned about. Now it's time for global news. U.S. President Joe Biden has spoken with Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan in a call. Ed Baxter has that story and the rest of the news from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, that's right, Brian. The issue potential for Sweden to be allowed entry into NATO, at least that's a topic one. The readout is the two discussed a range of issues that included Sweden, uh, support for Ukraine, efforts to strengthen bilateral ties. It also says they discussed the purchase of F-16 fighters, which is part and parcel of what Erdogan has pressed to vote to allow Sweden NATO membership. So we'll see how that plays out. Biden is in London en route to the NATO summit beginning Tuesday, set to meet King Charles. We'll meet, also meet with UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. The White House says strengthen relations there. Regarding Ukraine, President Volodymyr Zelensky on ABC has heard here on Bloomberg says Ukraine should also be part of the NATO discussions. It's all a matter of political will just to find the proper wording and invite Ukraine. It would be an important message to say that NATO is not afraid of Russia. Yeah, through a translator. um, And President Biden, by the way, is saying that there is no unanimity on any kind of NATO offer to Kyiv. So that will not happen this session. Meanwhile, Zelensky says he also welcomes the delivery of the cluster bombs to continue his counteroffensive. And the National uh, Security Council spokesman of U.S., John Kirby, is defending that decision today on ABC, as heard here on Bloomberg. Well, Russia is using them in Ukraine in an aggressive war on another country and indiscriminately killing civilians. The Ukrainians will be using these cluster munitions obviously, which have a very low dud rate, but they'll be using them to defend their own territory, hitting Russian positions. And Kirby says Ukraine is using the more conventional munitions faster than they can be manufactured. They are using artillery at a very accelerated rate, many thousands of rounds per day. This is literally a gunfight uh, in, in all along from the Donbass all the way down towards Zaporizhia and Kherson. Uh, and so they're running out of inventory. Uh, but there is dissent. Congresswoman Barbara Lee on CNN. So I'm hoping that the administration would reconsider this because these are very dangerous um, bombs. They're dangerous weapons. And this is a line that I don't believe uh, we should cross. Uh, Lee says over 100 countries have signed on to an agreement not to use cluster bombs. China looms large at NATO as well. South Korean President Yoon suk Yeol will meet with Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida on the sidelines of NATO. Uh, Japan's plan to release treated water from Fukushima also be on the agenda. Yoon will also visit Poland. As well, leaders from Australia and New Zealand will also be at the summit. NATO alliance has been uh, split on what exactly policy should be regarding China. Meanwhile, China diplomats say NATO outreach in Asia is not welcome. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. 
The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner, and our guest is Dennis Gartman, chairman of the University of Akron's Endowment Investment Committee and the retired editor and publisher of the Gartman Letter, which was widely followed. Dennis, thank you very much for joining us uh, your evening and uh, early Monday morning here in Asia. 
You heard me mention a few moments ago that, you know, I was querying uh, whether or not we might be in this drift toward recession, whether that theme might take hold in markets. It's not a good combination to be doing that when you've got uh, a higher for longer Fed. And I, I note that you're a little bearish uh, and as surprised as, as many of us were at the performance in the stock market so far this year. Do you think uh, we are drifting towards recession? I think we are drifting towards recession. I don't think there's any question about it. All of the data that I follow, the leading economic indicators, for example, have turned negative numbers. Uh, the uh, the uh, all of the data that I look at tends to be deleterious to the to the to the uh, economy. The numbers that came out on Friday, I think, were quite a surprise, especially after the higher than expected number from the ADP, which I think was a number and nothing more than that. The ADP has tended to be lower than the, the non-farm payrolls number for months and months and months ad infinitum. And I think they were just catching up to get uh, back to, to square one. The, the non-farm payrolls number on Friday, I think, was quite a, quite a surprise, to be, to, be, to be honest. And the fact that much of the increase in the non-farm payrolls numbers for the past six months have been predicated upon very high numbers from the, the, BLS, BL, the BLS's uh, uh, birth death numbers. We had a 93,000 jobs last month, 250,000 jobs the previous month, and the, the non-farm payrolls numbers were revised. 100,000. So I think that we're, we're almost at the cusp of recession. I think the Fed has been uh, probably a little too aggressive in, in its monetary policies thus far for the past year and a half. Mm. The, uh, I, when, when they began to change monetary policy two years ago, I then said that they would take rates farther and for a longer period of time than anybody wants to anticipate. I thought they'd get to five and a half. Where I, for all intents and purposes, we're at five and a half for the overnight Fed funds rate. But it'll be a long period of time, probably into well into 2024, before the Fed begins to ease monetary policy. Inflation continues to be a little bit higher than, than the Fed wants to see. But I think we're heading for recession. I think we're probably going to look back and say when the BLS actually, when, when the NBER actually makes its, uh, uh, releases its data on, on uh, whether we are in recession or not, we'll find out that in the second quarter of this year we actually were. It'll be be some time before we, before that occurs, but uh, I think we're in recession already. So the earnings season gets underway uh, this week, Dennis, and I'm curious to get your take on what we might hear from corporate America. Everything that you're describing here, how might that show up in guidance? We'll probably have one more one one more period of time when when earnings are better than expected. But I think that the the management will end up saying looking forward that uh, that uh, the best is probably behind us that uh, they'll they'll argue with infl- with the uh, earnings actually coming down a little bit over in, in the course of the next uh, quarter or two but the the best of earnings is, is probably behind us at this point i can't imagine we're going to end up having any any exuberant uh, earnings numbers coming out the only place that i find myself turning quiet, quietly bullish is the is small banks but that's because they've been Hurt so badly with the inverted yield curve. I think the worst of yeah. news for banking is probably behind us. But uh, as far as earnings for uh, corporate America, I think we've seen the best we're going to have for a long period of time. It's interesting that you think that the Fed is on the precipice of perhaps making a mistake, going too far. I think the Fed has gone too far already thus far. We'll see, time shall tell, of course, but uh, it'll be a long period of time before the Fed begins to, the, the, policy, the, the, the process of easing monetary policy. I think that 5.5% will be the, the, uh, the apex of uh, overnight Fed 
late, but it'll be at least in 2024, maybe late into 2024, before we see the Fed begin the process of easing monetary policy. Mm. Be, it'll, it'll, patience will be required for a long period of time. So I'm looking at a two-year right now with a yield just under 5%. I'm going to guess yes. that you think that's a screaming buy. I think that's a screaming buy. And in my own account, 80% of what I own is two-year notes, and I'm very comfortable with sitting there at, at very near 5% for for the next year and a half or two years. I think, yes, for but, without, uh, I think it's a screaming buy at two-year notes at 5%. No question about that. Dennis, in your role as chairman of the Endowment Investment Committee, I'm just curious, have yeah. you gotten some pushback uh, from the university and from uh, stakeholders uh, that you've been as cautious as you have been while the market's been running to the upside? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, well, I, that's I good. Don't that the next, <laughs> not, not yet, but time shall tell. Uh, we had our last meeting just a, a month ago, and we were very comfortable. We actually ended up taking uh, a goodly, a nice position, two and three and four percent of our portfolio, and then the gold two years ago. That has turned out to be a wonderful investment for us. We've been very comfortable with that. I haven't had any pushback thus far. Time shall tell whether I get pushback in the next, uh, with the next meeting in August. But right now. I seem to be fending off that pushback. Time shall tell. I've been very fortunate. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.